0: I know your history, Seth, but do you know mine? Do you know about the legends and the myths? Do you know about the Tuha de Dunan, who burned their ships once they landed ashore so there would be no chance of retreat? How about my namesake, Finn McCool? He was a giant who threw a piece of Ireland into the sea. It made the Isle of Man. He was a hero, who stabbed his own face with his own poisonous spear to survive the sleeping song of Aileen the Burner and save the city of Tara. And what about the monsters, Seth? The Dullahan? What about the Banshees, Seth? Whose wails signal the end. Do you hear them screaming? And what about the worst of them all? The king of the demons, Balor. Do you know who Balor is, Seth? Do you know what he does? When his evil eye opens, the world ends. First the grass burns, then the seas boil, then the air catches fire and all of humanity falls. These are not just stories, Seth. They are a source of power.
1: Guys, presented by the good people at the Bawd Belly Network. My fellow
0: Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in A- history. Number protect number us from the A- century university. university. A study on, A- on y- the university. university A study A- on, A- on people. People. called A- Pim- Pim-
1: Alright everybody, welcome to episode 292 of the Art and Jacob B. America podcast. I'm am your host, in the place to be, Mr. Jacob P. And sitting right across from me, It's oh, no. not the Brown Recluse, Mr. Art Trail, but we'll get into that in a second. We got a special guest I'll introduce to you just shortly. Uh, but before we do, let's go ahead and shout out our sponsor, guys. First up is Caveman Coffee. Guys, I need everyone to head on over to CavemanCoffee.com. Uh, check out the wide variety of coffee beans, coffee grounds, and as well as hibiscus teas and all sorts of lovely merchandise so christmas is around the corner so if you have a somebody that is addicted to caffeine or uh, anything like that head on over to caveman coffee uh, load up your cart uh, put express shipping because I think we only got like about two more weeks before uh, Christmas time It heads up on, on that ass but uh going over there um, but before you hit checkout guys I need everybody to enter promo code America and Caveman Coffee will give you 15% off your entire purchase uh, but next up guys for our sponsor guys I need everyone to head on over to we where the great and powerful Nicole Smith Bosch has put together a lovely array of merchandise that she has designed with her own two lovely hands. Uh, so head on over there. Uh, she's got t-shirts. She's got hats. She's got satchels. She's got everything that everybody in your family or loved ones would cherish for this holiday season. So again, load up your cart, and before you hit checkout, guys, I need you. Enter, I need you to enter promo code Art and Jacob. And Nicole will give you 10% off your entire purchase. But guys, we're not here to talk about Christmas holidays or getting 10% off a super apparel. We're here to talk about some Irish folklore. But I'm not just going to sit here with the Grinch here in front of me and talk to myself. No, I got somebody straight out of the motherland. The Green Isle, if you will. Ladies and gentlemen, making his fourth appearance? Has this
2: been your fourth appearance on the podcast? Third, right, I think
1: third okay third uh we're gonna make it for though uh guys put your hands together for the great and powerful copper kelly copper say hello to the millions
2: and millions there
1: you
2: how go, are baby. we all to. go. <laughs> well, god good. bless you too man hell <laughs> satan whatever whatever it was that you just said right there uh, hello again man. jesus great to be back great to yes. be back the Art jacob the american podcast Great we to just hear your it.
1: lovely voice again, man. I mean, you, you hear me? I, I hear you talk, and I just, I just get a little wet down there.
2: Oh, I'm glad <laughs> I could do that for you. <laughs> I want you to take me on a
1: lovely date where you take me ice skating and show me. Oh yeah, show me all the greenery of Ireland. I'll guide you around
2: there, Jacob. No problem at all. <laughs> you day at all. <laughs> I'm booking my flight to Ireland right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cop. What are we here to talk about today? Uh, we're here to talk about a bit of Irish folklore. Because mm. uh, I was on before talking about Loftus Hall and Leap Castle, a bit of ghostly ghoulish stuff. And then we talked about Slipknot. There you uh, go. Iowa. Uh, but now we're here back about Irish folklore, which is a vast and rich topic. Mm. And I suppose I will preface saying I am no expert. <laughs> I'll just say that straight away. Uh, I grew up in a lot of this stuff. Um, but the thing is, with Irish folklore, it goes back thousands of years pretty much Mm -hmm. and i suppose a lot of americans might not know about the history between ireland and england where basically england invaded ireland 800 years ago or so give or take and basically tried to kind of squash out our history Mm -hmm. and basically kind of kill our language kill our way of life or all that kind of stuff so a lot of it was kind of forgotten um but it is kind of being pulled back a bit now, you know, it's being kind of uh, brought back into the, the mainstream, I suppose you could say, uh, but there is lots of variations of the stories. So mm. the stories I may tell you today, you know, they're a the particular variation that I know, but then there are other variations from different places in Ireland, uh, especially with Fionn McCool, the guy we're coming up with, and the Giant's Causeway, there's two, kind of conflicting narratives there, but we, we'll talk about that as we go. Uh but do you want to uh you want to start with said Fionn McCool. Sure. Um
1: I, when we pitch this topic, um I think it's important to note too that every we I kind of have like this general I being an American and whatever, obviously, right? Of uh, like what Irish folklore is. I know Art and I we covered like the banshee, obviously there's a leprechauns and fairies and whatnot. And so when we kind of came together like butt cheeks earlier this week or you, you you suggested, you know, hey, you know, I could talk about some Irish folklore. I expected to see a lot of that. But like, no, like there's a lot of rich history. And it seems that a lot of this, too, like you'll see similar stories like around the world. Like, obviously, we're going to talk about Finn McCool and um we were talking on the patreon about how I, he kind of reminds me of like this is like your guys' version of hercules or thor or yeah. in america we have paul bunyan and whatnot right as we'll get into like the giant causeway or whatever like that's very much you know something that you'll see every every culture like has their version of it like india has their own version of like that guy you know like that myth, mythical like champion for like their country and whatnot right and um i think it's important like you said uh you know the british came and you know try to erase your history um that happens a lot you know uh you know uh not to make this like into a heavy metal podcast at all uh but it kind of reminds me of like the black metal that's going on like in you know the you know the norwegian countries and whatnot, where. You know, they're trying to get back in touch with like their Norse heritage where, you know, like that's why you get all these church burnings and whatnot, because of the, you know, the church up
2: there, you know, erased a lot of like their history mm. and whatnot. The anti-Christian and, sentiment. What's that? The anti-Christian sentiment. hmm And yeah. so it,
1: it, you see that a lot like around the world where like they've been, um cleansed of their culture and you see a lot of it Mm -hmm. like, oh, coming back. And like, also too, that's why you have different versions of these stories is because it's an oral history. A lot of like the history has either been literally burned or that's Mm -hmm. just how, you know, tradition was kept. It was just an oral history, you know, because of literacy and whatnot.
2: Yeah, absolutely. A lot of our history would have been passed down through storytelling, music, art. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that would have been just absolutely squashed over the mm-hmm. years, especially the like of harp music, you know, the harp, the kind of the symbol of Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, during, you know, a few hundred years ago, if you were a harp player, you would have actually been imprisoned or killed. Oh, wow. Even just for playing old Irish melodies. Wow. And so recently I got to go to a Kilkenny Castle, which is a fabulous castle, but they had a harp player playing all these songs from like the 1500s. Uh, that would have been played back there, and it was just like you know, goosebumps and shivers. Yeah, um, it's just it's hard to think all oh, that would just been crushed and killed off. You know, a lot very, very little would have, uh, you know, survived.
1: Mm. Wow. Well, shoot,
2: let's get into it, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. I suppose we start with Fionn Um I suppose. What's the reason you want to start with him? <laughs> you, you have him on your shirt there. <laughs> um,
1: well. Um... If you listen to the Patreon, what you guys should do, uh, head on over to patreon.com slash Um, You know, uh, Copper and I, we were talking about uh, pro wrestling. And one of my favorite wrestlers is Finn Balor. Uh, and uh, when he came into the WWE, that wasn't always his name. What was it like? Prince Devitt or something like that um, back when he wrestled in Japan. Uh, but he's an Irish wrestler. And when he came over to the WWE, uh, he had a name change. And he had like this this uh, promo basically explaining what that name meant. You know, obviously the first name Finn, uh, and then Balor, which we'll get into as well. Uh, but he kind of told like a little backstory of like how, you know, Finn McCool uh, was this iconic figure
2: of Irish folklore. So, Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose the way he spells his name is F-I-N-N which is kind Correct. of a variation of what it actually is. Again, this is all variations. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> but it should be Fion, Fionn, F-I-O-N-N, Fionn McCool. And it's not cool as in C-O-O-L, not like yeah. his Cool MacDaddy. Uh, it's It's uh, <laughs> cool as in C-U-M-H-A-I-L-L. That's a pure Irish spelling there for you. And um, cool was Fionn's father. So he said Fionn Mac Cool, Mac mm. is son of. Cool. Okay. Cool. Uh, So basically, Cool was uh, the leader of the Fenians, um, which were this like mythical race or mythical um, basically army of of warriors that were basically you know the highest level warriors at the time, and they were called the Fenians. And Cool was the guy who led them, but uh, Cool wanted to marry this young lady called Murn. Um, but he was the, she was the daughter of a druid called Taig. Basically, um, cool, I suppose, eloped, slashed, kidnapped, <laughs> Morin. <And, laughs> again, uh, again, variations. Yeah, yeah. Consent so, becomes a big part of this. <laughs> some people say that she went willingly with him, but other people said that she, you know, they just like took her. Um, but then her, obviously her father Taig wasn't very happy. He was a druid and he went to a local king. To basically get his woman back. And uh, he, they brought over a guy called Cole McMorna, who used to be a leader of the FINA, uh, or the Fenians, as you could say. I uh, would we'll say the FINA from now on, because again, there's so many <laughs> <laughs> so many names and so many variations. Uh, the FINA. Uh, so Cole McMorna was kind of a, a competitor to Cool. Uh, so. Tyg brought over uh, Gaul to fight Cool and get back his daughter Myrna. Um, basically, Gaul did kill Cool at a battle uh, by just basically slaying him. And so they took back Myrna, but Tyg wasn't just happy with that. He was so destroyed by her betrayal that he wanted to burn her alive. Wow. Which is, you know, very fatherly of, of him, don't you think? But she was already pregnant with Cool's now son, uh, called, later to be named Fionn. Uh, but the king of Ireland basically said, hey, look, the, the trouble has been done, has been sorted out. We will not hurt uh, Myrna. She's to be left alone. So she wasn't burned, thankfully. Thankful. That, yeah. But that wasn't the same for the kid, unfortunately. So they knew that. The kid would be harmed. So Myrna basically had him shipped away, well, taken away to a forest, a deep, dark forest, to be cared for by two women. And uh, back then in Ireland, there would have been, you have small towns and basically tribes, loads and loads of tribes, all fighting each other constantly. We're not, they weren't as laid back as they are now, nowadays, unfortunately. <laughs> it was like the movie Gangs of New York and shit. Yeah, oh, even worse, way worse. (laughs) Absolutely, like, you know, tribes killing tribes. And then in the forest, you'd have the she, which were basically the old gods, the two of the dawn that were sent to the underworld, but some remained and became monsters called the she and lived in the forest, the dark, dark forest. So if you went into the forest, you could either be killed by bandits or the she. So basically, Fion was shipped off into the forest to be cared for. And he, from a young age, he started climbing trees uh, and hunting rabbits with his bare hand. And he became this like almost superhuman hero. Almost like Tarzan. Yeah, exactly. Like Jungle Boy. Yeah. yeah they- <laughs> or Jungle Boy. <laughs> Jack Berry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he became absolutely like super fast, super strong. All the kind of thing you'd associate with being like, Absolute hero of a, of a man, and he started. At, he got to a certain age where the two women that were looking after him basically said, "Okay, you have to go out to your own world, out to the world now, and uh, you know get revenge for your your father's death." So he basically went to like a, a neighbouring village and start playing hurling with some of the local boys. Hurling, if you don't know, is an Irish sport played by a, a long stick and a, a ball called a schlitter, and yeah, it's really, really fast game. It's like if you ever watch clips of it, it's like one of the fastest games on the planet. And it's fairly not brutal, but it can be. You get a good old shoulder in, and and it's oh, it's a great game. I used to play it when I was a kid. Now, um, but basically, when Fion turned up, he made bits of all these young lads. He absolutely outshunned them. Everyone was like amazed by this guy. So he left, and after he left, those boys went to their tribal leader saying. Who's this guy? Uh, you know, you have to sort this guy out. He's making a show of us. So the, the king just goes, okay, we'll go fight him then. Just being the pure Irish way of the, back then. It's like, if, if he's a problem, go fight him and kill him. <laughs> Look after him yourself. The old fashioned Irish way. Yeah. <laughs> but the, all the lads kind of put their head down and, like, uh, yeah, no, we can't because he's, he's too good. <laughs> he's too strong. <laughs> 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 um, so that's basically, I suppose, Fionn's. Uh, early life and there's there's so many stories as well we could do just a podcast on this guy because there's so much but i kind of do a brief flash (laughs) flash forward to the giant's causeway i suppose yes um but it leads us on to the salmon of knowledge which is our like one of the most pervasive folklore uh that i grew up with but have you have you heard of the salmon of knowledge before is that i think even not until this week not until this week And I thought it was a very, (laughs) pretty interesting story. Yeah, yeah. It's a a very famous story over in Ireland. Basically, there was a salmon in this lake and these nine trees surrounded the lake and they had, I think it was hazelnuts, grew on the the tree, nine nuts, and each of those fell into the water and each of those nuts contained the knowledge of the world. And another variation of this story is it was in a well that had bubbles coming up from the bottom. And these bubbles uh, were basically the knowledge and wisdom from uh, Tirnanog, which is kind of like another world. It's, um, I suppose, like a, an alternate dimension where... From Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah, absolutely. So there's like a portal <laughs> at the bottom of this well <laughs> to this other dimension. And in Tirnanog, if you if you went to Tirnanog, you'd never grow old, and it's just... Uh, it's kind of like a, an idea of heaven i guess in a way mm-hmm. um but either way knowledge came into this well and this only salmon was um swimming around and the knowledge came into this salmon basically he ate the the nuts or he drank the bubbles whichever way you want to look at it. so this this one salmon became a wealth of knowledge wisdom that you can see the past present the future all that kind of stuff but the only thing is, 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 you know, it's a salmon. So he couldn't do much with that, really. He'd just swim around in circles. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> but Fionn had a habit of going to see poets and storytellers and living with them and this kind of stuff just to kind of learn as much as he could. And once he met this poet called Finnegas, who was sitting outside the river. He was trying to catch this salmon. He knew it was there and he was trying to catch it. Uh, so one day he did, he did catch it. And he was so overwhelmed, he was so happy, he finally caught this salmon. He, he got so tired and he went to sleep. He told Fionn to uh, put that on the spit now and cook it up for me. I'll eat it when I'm awake. When uh, but don't touch it, don't eat it yourself. This is only uh, claws, clause, I suppose. And, uh, but as Fionn was cooking the, the salmon, he put his finger on the salmon to test its heat, which caused a blister to oh. appear on his thumb. And sure didn't Fionn put the, the thumb in his mouth to suck the blister, and then the knowledge was imparted into Fionn from so just sucking on the blister. But then, when Finnegus awoke, came back to Fionn, he saw in his eyes that there was something different. He could see the, suppose, the wealth of knowledge in Fionn's eyes. So he knew that the, the knowledge was gone. <laughs> you know, Fionn <laughs> took it unwilling, unknowingly, I suppose. That was one I'm part sorry. of the story that kind of tripped me out because
1: I was because like when I was hearing like other podcasts talk about it or I'd read the legend or whatever, like it mentioned like he burned his finger on the fish and yeah. then you know he sucked on it or whatever, like 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 as you do or whatever, right? And um he brought it to, you know, that poet and the poet said, you know, hey, did you eat any of the fish? And he's like, Nope, I didn't. And he goes, Oh, but I did burn my finger and suck my thumb. And then the poet was like, Oh well, go ahead and eat the rest of this fish. And, you know, because, you know, now you have the wealth of, you know, by doing this, you're going to have, you know, all of the knowledge in the world, past, present, and future and whatnot. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, well, that's awfully nice of him because yeah. I didn't get that. I didn't get that part of the story where oh, he was yes, saying yeah. like, it was, you know, once he sucked his thumb, you know, nobody could take part of it. I would have been like, all right, we're just going to either split this fish in half or I'm going <laughs> to have to eat the rest of this fish because I'm a poet. I got to have all this knowledge and whatnot. But yeah.
2: Um, That's the thing about variations, like what you said, I didn't know that variation, but the mm-hmm. variation I know, he's like, as soon as Sokis told me he had the knowledge, that was it. Which makes more sense, because that sense, poet yeah. was being a very altruistic by giving this little boy all of the fish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so basically, Fionn grew up to be a all-knowing, superhuman leader of the Fianna, uh, you know, a real, really celebrated warrior and hero. Um which I suppose leads us to the Giants Causeway. There you go. Um, Well, I suppose Giants Causeway is one of the um, most known about uh, natural formations and kind of tourist attractions in Ireland. I'm guessing, did you know about the Giants Causeway before? Uh, Before this podcast, no. But when I was doing the research, it kept popping up.
1: And I was like, well, let me look at pictures of it. And so I went down a whole rabbit hole of looking at the Giants Causeway. And it is... I think, like, in Europe, it's, like, one of the the wonders of Europe. Like, I know there's, like, mm-hmm. the seven wonders of the world and whatnot. And this is, like, of Europe, this is one of the wonders. It's a really fantastic-looking place because it looks man-made, but it's actually, I guess, from volcanic eruptions. And it makes, like, I guess, these hexagon towers. Yeah. And it goes all the way from this point in Ireland where it's at all the way up to Scotland, I want to say. Well, that's
2: the, the legend, I suppose. That's okay. the... Yeah, so it is a, a kind of a naturally farmed form, uh, volcanic formation, I suppose you could say. Uh, yeah, these pillars of the hexagonal pillars, I guess you could say, and they're, they're all kind of grouped together at different heights. And that, and I, I was there before as well. It is a, it's a sight to behold. like It mm-hmm. really is. Um, but the legend, I suppose, how it came about is, at the moment, it's just a whole bunch kind of slightly jutting out into the ocean a bit. Um, but going back to legend, it was supposed to be a, a bridge that connected north of ireland to scotland and fionn mccool is actually involved in the story as well but in this part in this kind of variation of the story this is kind of one of the i suppose newer newer folklore stories yeah. if you can call it it kind of became popular i think the 1840s or something like that um it was kind of you know reported upon or you know included in these kind of folklore connections that would have been put together at the time and uh, but in this kind of variation in this story Fiona is actually a giant uh, in this uh, in this story whereas before he was just a you know right almost guy. like a superhuman it was a guy yeah pretty much but in the uh, in the giant's causeway so he's an actual giant and um, basically used the the bridge to go over to oh no before we get there apparently there was another uh, giant over in Scotland called uh Ben and Donner, he's called. And he apparently was standing at the, the, the coast of Scotland shouting threats and, <laughs> and awful things across to Ireland. Just, and then Fionn was on the other side shouting things back. Just two fellas yelling across the sea at each other. Like a know? wrestling promo. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, this turned out to be one of the biggest main events. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so basically I think Fionn McCool started throwing these rocks out and created this bridge to get over across to the giant to fight him in Scotland. But when he got there, he saw that the the Scottish giant was way bigger, and he Fionn was like, "Oh shit, I gotta go back and find <laughs> this dude." So he legged it back to to Ireland, and of course, the giant, the Scottish giant, followed him and was looking for him all over all over the, the north of Ireland, looking for him to to challenge him. But didn't Fionn go back to his wife, uh, which is what's her name now? God on me. it's gone from my head now. Um, yeah, went, he went to his wife and said, look, wife, um, this guy's after me. I, I, I've done fucked up. This guy's coming after me. Can you look like, at me? <laughs> <laughs> um, so his wife just said, okay, okay, you get in that baby cot and dress up like a baby. and I look after this guy. So the giant, the Scottish giant, Benadonner, he came over to the house. He knocked on the door. He's like, I'm looking for Fionn. I need to fight this guy. And... Uh, is, is I believe he lives here and his wife says yeah he lives here but he's not here at the moment he's going to come back later but yeah. come on in we'll have a, a cup of tea and we'll have a bite to eat and uh, you can while you wait for Fionn to come back so the giant was like okay this is, this is odd but yeah okay I'll, I'll sit down and have a cup of tea and uh, he saw the baby in the cot and it was obviously Fionn disguised as a baby but he saw the size of this baby I thought Jesus if, if Fionn's baby is this size what size is Fionn? like he's going to be Correct, massive yeah. And so Fionn's wife then served him some bread that he'd, she had cooked in some uh, iron inside the bread. Gave the giant the bread. He took a bite, broke broke some teeth. But then she gave what looked like the same bread to the baby and the baby just like chomped it up, no problem at all. And obviously, again, the giant was like, Jesus, if, if the baby and Fionn eats this bread and it breaks my teeth, this is not going to turn out well for me. Um. So basically the, the giant legged the back to scotland and left Fionn alone because he thought Fionn was going to be twice the size couldn't beat him and that's all down to Fionn's wife uh saving saving fion's ours basically, basically with yeah. this de- deception <laughs> and then i guess like on the way uh when Benadonner like when he went
1: back to scotland over that bridge that uh that fion uh, made he like destroyed yep. it all so that's like destroyed why it, it looks the way it does um um, you know, currently, you know, it looks like it could have been like a a bridge at one point, and now it just looks like sections of it. Because when you look at like, I guess, the geological formation of it, it does kind of look like a bridge, and I guess it goes all the way up into like a cave, like it leads into like a cave, and I guess like in Scotland, they say they call it like, and I'm not going to say it in Gaelic because I'm going to butcher the language or whatnot, but in so many words, it's a Fin Finmacool's cave. And it does look like it's like a perfect roadway, you know, across the sea to this cave. But when all actuality, it's just a volcanic uh, event that took place, and like that was the that was the the trail that the lava followed, and then it made like this kind of cavernous cave as well. So it's interesting, like how stories like this were used to explain like natural events. Also, I guess Finn, like there was a story about how like he got pissed off one day and this is how he created like the isle of man is like, he took like a piece of Ireland and just like threw it out in the ocean. Mm. (laughs) And you get like the isle of man. Uh, There's also a story about how in, uh, when Finn McCool was 10, uh, how he protected, I guess like the capital at that time of Ireland, which is Tara, uh, during Samhain. I said that right now. You said that right. Good man. There you go. I've been doing my research. Also a friend of the show, uh, uh, Sam Sheeran chastised me for calling it Sam Hane <laughs> many years ago. Uh, but during Samhain, uh, there was this monster called, I'm going to butcher the name, but we're just going to call him Eileen. Uh, he's gender fluid or whatever, right? So this monster named Eileen with this, that was like a fire uh, breather that would like torch all the lands around, was coming down to Tara. and oh, yes, uh,
2: Aileen. Yes, Aileen. Uh, Alien,
1: yes, Alien. Alien, there you
2: go. Sorry, Eileen. <laughs> um, insert on, that I mean. song
1: from the 80s right here. <laughs> Come on, Aileen. Uh, he was coming and he was just like torching all the lands and villages all around. And he was coming to Tara. And so the king, you know, enlisted Finn McCool at the ripe age of 10 uh, to defend it, Tara. And he totally decimates this giant fire breather
2: uh, named Aileen. Yeah. Yeah. It's as I said, Finn McCool's story, there's. I think he 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 was almost immortal as well so he lived for hundreds of years and there's so mm. many stories and his son had so many stories and all so on you know so on and so on and I guess I there's suppose.
1: also a story about how he's not really dead he's just sleeping right. and I guess there's like this big mountain somewhere like in Ireland and like this is like where he like he went to mattress land and he got himself a really good like <laughs> temperpedic mattress and he's just sleeping there and um we some of my relatives are from in Newfoundland, Canada, they actually have, you know, songs and, uh, you know, folk tales They talk about Finnegal's rising, which basically documents like, Hey, like when Ireland's great need uh, is most prevalent or whatever, when Conor mm. McGregor flies off the edges, uh, even more so uh, maybe gets elected as a Senator over there, in Ireland or something like that, or prime minister. Yeah, Taoiseach,
2: where... Taoiseach, as we call our prime minister, <laughs> Tshock There Can you just go. Imagine Conor McGregor as prime minister. Fucking hell. That'll yeah. be, a, he'll, he'll, he'll have to come back then. Yeah, he'll
1: have to come back then because Conor McGregor is going to have all the nuclear codes that you guys got over there in Ireland, if you
2: guys have nuclear <laughs> weaponry. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> or that's week. why people leave us alone. We're actually a neutral comp- uh, country. We don't take anyone's side. Oh, okay. That's why we're left alone. You know, we're Like Switzerland Some, then. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I'm moving over there when uh, <laughs> when shit hits the fan. <laughs> but anyways, you want to get into the next... Uh, folklore tale
2: yeah who are you wanting to go with
1: next is it balor well, let's, yeah let's do balor let's complete right. the wrestling uh that's it <laughs> analogy here so with i guess finn uh balor here yeah when you uh what i mentioned and i'll put a sample of uh finn balor's promo at the beginning of this episode uh his first name obviously is after finn mccool uh but finn balor's last name is actually after the demon king that he called yeah. it uh balor so
2: copy you want to tell the people about balor here I do, I do. So Balor, yeah, he was a, he's the ruler of the Fomorians, which were, okay, not to get too (laughs) off-topic, this could go (laughs) on. (laughs) The Fomorians were a race. Yeah, they were a race of ancient beings. They were kind of like, uh, in appearance, they were very ugly. They had warts, they were deformed, they had hunchbacks, They missing limbs, they had all this kind of stuff. They were kind of a uh, yeah, a real odd kind of a, a race of People that used to rule Ireland. Then the race called the Tuatha De Danann came in. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to say that as po- as right as possible as well. By the way, <laughs> the Tuatha De Danann—they um, were these kind of more godlike, uh, I suppose, species of not even human. They were all, almost like gods, and they landed on the I think the west coast of Ireland. This is thousands of years ago. Let's say, going back into mythology. And they landed on the west coast of Ireland and they burnt their ships so that they wouldn't be able to leave again. And basically, for the next hundreds of years, they fought the Fomorians for control of Ireland. And Balor was one of these, I suppose, tribal chiefs or war chiefs or kings of the Fomorians. He was the head of the table. Head to the table, baby. I <laughs> am the table. Uh, but Balor, <laughs> Balor uh, he had a few nicknames, but I suppose two main ones were Balor of the Evil Eye and Balor of the Piercing Eye. Mm-hmm. So if you think of Balor, he's actually, he's like a cyclops. He had one big eye. And then also he was like cyclops from the X-Men in that when he opened the eye, he'd either like, it's like shooting a laser of some sort or shooting some sort of poison. It's kind of not clear. There's a few variations of that. It's like his eyes poisonous, or his eyes like a laser, or it's like a a lightning bolt, or something like that. Um, But the Demon King, I think that's a Finn Balor invention of the twisted name, by the way. Um, But yeah, think of Cyclops from the X-Men. But he's also a giant, so he's massive. And uh, he basically fought with the... To the Danan, and he killed their king, the Nuada, of the Nuada, of the Silverhand. Um, He killed him. Uh, But basically, the Formorians were, they took control of Ireland for a while. And they, on sound, at Halloween time, they looked for a tax, which was basically two thirds of all crops grown and two thirds of all the children born that year as either sacrifices or they ate them or something. I'm not too sure. <laughs> but um so they rule from like to- Tory Island. Um, but do you do you want to go into how he got his evil eye to begin with?
1: Yeah, so uh like you said, there's always different versions of this. Um I think I listened to like three or four different podcasts on just Balor alone. I mean, and you like you said about Fimico, you can he's like the antithesis in a way to Finicul, where it's like Femme Kool is like this ultimate baby face, good guy. Yeah. Baby face, uh, to make yeah. a wrestling reference again. Uh, but then Balor is like almost like an ultimate bad guy or whatnot. So mm-hmm. I guess like when one amalgamation of how he got the one eye, um, like uh, Copper was saying, is some people say he's a Cyclops. Some people say he has three eyes. Some people say he has an eye in the back of his head. So it's depending on who you're asking, the story will change. Uh, but when he was younger, uh, I guess he was hanging out with like a druid. And the druid was making some kind of concoction, some kind of potion, something, something evil in the cauldron, if you will, or whatever, right? And um, he he poked his head over, and the steam from this potion went into his eye and created this evil eye that, like you know, Copper was saying, turned him into like X Men from the Cyclops. And every time he opened that eye, it in again, talk to four different people, you'll get four different stories of what would happen. Uh, but when he opened up that eye, either you would burn to death or it would be some kind of poisonous goop that would, mm. you know, in, engulf the whole area and whatnot. Uh, but basically, or he could would. even be turned to stone, like Medusa. Exactly. That's another yeah. variation. Yeah. yeah. So, depending on who you ask, something bad would happen when he would open up that eye. Um, insert Peter North reference here. Uh, <laughs> but. Um, so when he would do that, like he, it would always be like on the battlefield. Now to go into that, he knew that his death, he got knowledge also that his death would come by his grandson. Mm-hmm. So he went to great lengths anytime he had children to kill off, uh, any, you know, children that he would have, uh, until I guess one day, uh, he did have a child and that child got rescued away, uh, got locked into a tower, and then that child had a child and i guess they that child and again you you get four different people get four different stories <laughs> uh was also given this knowledge that the way, only way that we can stop this menace is if you you know take him out in the eye because his skin you're not going to be able to pierce his skin because it's the toughest of all hide uh, you're not going to be able to do anything against him unless you pierce that eye and he also too had like I guess like it was like four flaps over that eye, so it was like an eye patch, if you will, like the mm. greatest eye patch of all time. And it had four layers to it, and every time you opened up one of the layers, something different would happen. Uh, so they were out on the battlefield, and uh, this grandson, you know, being the great grandson that he was, uh, Lou, what's his name? Lou, there you go, Lou, <laughs> who is hat who deserves his own podcast as well, uh, but we're not gonna get into all that just yet. Uh, he actually takes this spear made from cold iron. I guess it was a specific type of mm. iron, uh, you know, like let's just say adamantium. To continue down the X
2: Men round uh, route here, yeah. and His uh, name was ha- Gay Asale. That's the name of the spear.
1: Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. And he yeah, it chucks bit, it through it was... the eye and kills uh,
2: Balor immediately. That's it. Yeah. It was like that. That spear is kind of, I suppose, you can compare it to Thor's hammer, uh, Mjolnir, as well. Um, but yeah, that's just pretty much, pretty much the story. I have a few little variations on it. But and then one yeah, thing real was... quick, yeah, is he chopped off the head of Balor, his
1: grandson, put it on. I guess like this piece of uh trunk, uh, like a tree that they had just chopped, uh, placed his head there on there for a display. And again, talk to four different people, you'll get four different stories. Uh, but this story, you put it on the trunk, and that actually became the the wood from that trunk actually became the shield the impenetrable Shield of good old Finn McCool that's
2: it yeah you you got your stuff man <laughs> pretty much yeah. absolutely yeah it's uh yeah he got the 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 prophecy that his grandson would kill him so he locked his daughter etnu away in the tower but he kind of brought about his own demise when he, he he could shapeshift apparently so he shapeshifted into this young red-haired boy he went to the near the his neighbours, the two of the Donnan, and he robbed a cow, a really fantastic, top-of-the-line cow. Uh, When he brought the cow back, uh, one of the two of the Donnan, Keen, then came to find the cow, found Balor's daughter, Etna, in the tower, decided to take her away, got married, had a son, Lou, which was his grandson, and uh, basically, Lou fought uh, Balor on the battlefield. And he, actually, it was either two two weapons. Again, it depends on who you ask. So it's a spear, or also a kind of a sling slingshot. Okay. Uh, so like David and Goliath. Way, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, David and Goliath. Yeah. Uh, so either way, it was some sort of projectile that he threw into Balor's eye, and apparently broke the eye out of his back back of his head and killed him. And apparently, when uh, Balor fell he fell on 27 of his own warriors and killed them all immediately. He was that big. Mm-hmm. And they said that when Balor was within his, uh, his own tribe, he kept his eye closed because obviously he just, it was instant death for anyone around him who saw the eye. But he kept the closed for so long that it became so heavy that it took 10 men to open the eyelid oh, wow. on the battlefield in order to actually you know, throw out the power and kill everyone. Uh, but yeah, when he cut, he cut his head off, it became into the trunk of the sh- of Fionn McCool's shield, it, where he got the wood from. And again, another story of the event was they cut off his head and became a rock, and it, 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 some of the goop came off the, the head and became lakes. Uh, Gwiodor Loch in County Donegal. I don't know if I want to swim in that land. lake. <laughs> mm, that'd be nasty. But yeah, that's pretty much Balor in a, in a nutshell, I suppose, if you want to say. There's probably a hell of a lot more to the story as well, but that's the that's the general gist of it. You got there you, you go. got it in wonder.
1: So the next one I kind of wanted to get into, I thought was when you sent me the uh, the list of uh, different uh, you know creatures and uh, stories of mythology and folklore. Uh, one that kind of stood out just because it looked like Shrek, <laughs> like on the picture, uh, was the Puka. And I guess you you mentioned with Balor, you know, he was a shapeshifter. Uh, Puka also a shapeshifter as well uh not not so much blood and gluts with this one but i thought this was kind of a, a fun little tale uh, but the puka kind of like is like this goblin uh and again <laughs> the theme of this podcast depending on who you talk to yeah. uh you get you know a different story but he can either be a bringer of good or bad fortune obviously he was a shapeshifter uh some of the forms that you know he would take you know obviously a goblin you know think of you know, a shorter, skinnier version of Shrek, if you will. Uh, But he liked to take the form of horses, goats, cats, dogs, rabbits, uh, and occasionally uh, human form as well. Uh, But he would also, but he would still have some sort of like human features. So uh, think of Pinocchio, if you will, kind of like when he turns like into, starts to turn into a donkey. Uh, So there would either be like, you know, long ears of like a horse or a tail of some sort. Uh, But uh, the puka. all never really hurt anybody. Uh, but he was also he 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 was a very mischievous. Uh, little creature. So, he, like his mo would be, you know, if somebody was coming out of the bar or a pub, if you will, uh, right. kind oh. of drunk, uh, he would present himself like as a horse and kind of take people around uh for a wild ride. So you you know think of you know some classic eighties movie where like the never ending story, like where he's riding the dragon, you know, going through the alleyways and whatnot, something similar to that. It would, you know, disorient that person. And then that poor person would kind of have like an alien abduction story, if you will. Uh, but yeah. never would really hurt anybody. Uh, kind of a, he was uh, just a mis- mischievous little fucker. That's all it yeah. was. Yeah. In, <laughs> he would inconvenience <laughs> people. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, another, f- uh, fun story that I saw too, was that, uh, he would poop on fruit, And uh, you got, (laughs) (laughs) which is fucking disgusting, but also hilarious as well, where mothers back in the day, back like in the 17, back in the dark ages, if you will, before the internet and color TV and, and things like that and Pornhub and what you will, uh, (laughs) mothers would tell their children, don't eat overripened fruit uh, because it will give you food poisoning because the puka took a shit on it.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I heard is opposite, is a, a spit. It's less uh, less gross, <laughs> I suppose. But yeah, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, if it was berries that had been killed on a frosty night, should never be eaten as is. The puke is spit all, and it rendered him poisonous. Okay. Um, so yeah, he was a mischievous little fucker, so he was. Yeah. And yeah, he'd take any form that he needs, a rabbit, a dog, a, an old man. And sometimes people have full-on conversation, so he could actually speak as well. He could have a full-on conversation. And they said that uh, if you saw a house, and the house had a bench on the right hand side of the door and a gay post on the right, uh, that, that was smooth, if the, a man was sitting there, then he's a mischie, or he's the, the good puka. But if on the left hand side there's like a rockery or there's a you know on un- on un- gravelly dirt and stuff, and if that guy's sitting there, then he's the mischievous puka. Okay. And so if you sat down and had a chat with him, he would tell you all sorts of mischievous stories. tell you lies and tall tales and that kind of stuff, but he'd give you life advice and all this kind of stuff as well. But then an hour would suddenly disappear. Uh, like, you'd be talking for a long time, but it'd feel like a minute, and then he'd suddenly disappear, and he wouldn't, like, you'd be sitting there thinking, what the fuck just happened? I was I talking to someone? Because there'd be no sign of him. Um, but yeah, that's, there's actually, I think there's some, I suppose, in modern popular culture, uh Supposed to, he's appeared in Darby O'Gill and the Little People, which is an old Irish film. It's not very modern, but uh, if you want a good sense of Irish um, kind of folklore, history, kind of stuff, watch Darby O'Gill and Little Bit. Be- sort of Leprechauns, the banshee, the pooka makes an appearance. Nice. All this kind of stuff. It's very old, but it's still a good watch. <laughs> I tell you that. Uh, but he appears in, I suppose, Donnie Darko. If you look at it that way, he's kind of a rabbit farm.
1: That's and right. He, uh, yeah,
2: encourages Donnie to do all these kind of malicious things um so you could think you could think of it as the, the puka um but yeah that's really all there's to say about the puka he's a little mischievous fucker and yeah. uh he never really hurt anyone though which is nice i suppose he's not he's not yeah. the worst and i guess uh to bring Samhain in again i guess november
1: 1st uh some areas of ireland call it the puka day because he would eat the leftover harvest uh you know yeah. i mentioned you know when we when i started talking about the puka uh, he can actually bring good fortune as well in some stories Um, as, you know, uh, there's a story about somebody saw the puka out, you know, in their field and uh, they gave him a coat and to repay that debt, he actually started harvesting, you know, all of their food and, you know, uh, went to work, rebuilt their barn, like did all these things, you know, uh, uh, combed the the hair of the horse and whatnot, and just did all these like great and, you know, altruistic things, you know, for the farm worker that gave him a coat basically. So Mm. uh, he would do things like that. Uh, He would also be a protector uh, for travelers uh, who would warn them about, you know, creatures ahead. Like maybe there's a dire wolf out in the, you know, distance or Chupacabra or, Hey, there's a portal opening up from Skinwalker Ranch and a big old giant piece of (laughs) bread loaf is going to come like decapitate you. Uh, Or it would be, or, uh, you know, little accidents that would happen, you know, like a tree falling down and, You know, he would warn about a future uh, horrible event. So uh, a lot Mm. of stories like that, if you will.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And of course, like the word puka actually means ghost or spirit in the Irish language. Oh, wow. uh, But has been kind of attached to this guy who's kind of like a goblin slash rabbit slash dog slash old man shapeshifter. There you go. Basically. Um, But yeah, that's really. Yeah, that's the puka in the nutshell, I think, really as well. Do you yeah. have any more to add on him? He's just a little <laughs> Shrek. Yeah, little Shrek. Not much about him, really. All right. It's like, he it reminds me of your, your Grinch guy there beside you. There you go. That's why I put him up. There you go. Yeah, that's the Puka.
1: <laughs> All right. That's, so you want to move into the more paranormal side of mm-hmm. uh, mythology here?
2: The scarier side of it. There you go. So uh, we talk about the Abertak, which is basically an Irish vampire. Uh, this was back, I think it was the 4th or 5th century. So about the year 400, 500, there was a, a chieftain or a king called Abertak. But he wasn't a great king. Um, apparently he was very deformed and all this kind of stuff. But back then, to be a king, you had to be perfect. Your stature, all your limbs, all this kind of stuff. This guy was apparently, he was uh, very short, he was deformed, this kind mm-hmm. of thing. And he wasn't a very nice chieftain order. On a side note, completely unrelated, did you know that Back then, for these ancient Irish kings, it was a custom, when you said low, that they would lick each other's nipples. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> low? <laughs> Show fealty to your king, you'd lick his nipples. That's That was a thing, apparently. <laughs> like a, like just one little, like, or would it
1: be like a full-on, like, well, I suppose, whatever you, however, however much you, like you were. Okay. <laughs>
2: Insert Donald Trump uh, that, joke here. <laughs> yeah. But that was a, that was a little uh, side note there. But um, yeah, so some say he was the farm, some say he was a dwarf, but all agree that he was powerful and he was actually a magician as well. He yes. was an evil magician, and uh, he was a very possessive, and jealous kind of a king. And he had his wife, but he thought that his wife was having an affair, so he climbed out a window one night in the castle to try to catch her in the act, but fell like Bran from fucking Game of Thrones. He fell there you go. off the castle and died. Um, But then he was, he was um, buried. He was buried standing up, as would, I suppose, befit uh, a chieftain. At the time, it was a very noble burial. But the next day, he appeared back at the town with a bowl looking for blood from his townspeople. They put his their blood, maybe cut a vein, whatever it is, put blood in the bowl and he'd drink it and he kept coming back day after day demanding blood and he became more wretched and horrible. So, the people of the town wanted to actually get rid, obviously get rid of this guy. So, they went to a local, well, he was actually a neighbouring warrior called Khan, and asked him for help. So, Khan came along, killed uh, the Abertak again by just cutting them down. They buried him again, like he did, standing up. And next day, he appeared again, looking for more blood in the bowl. So Cahan came back, killed him again, buried him again. Again, he came back, looking for more blood. So Cahan was like, you know, what the fuck am I going to do with this guy? He's already dead. I, <laughs> I've killed him two or three times already. You know, you yeah. can't kill what's already dead. So he went to a local... either. Again, this is the variation. So he either went to a local druid or he went to a local saint called On And uh, either the saint or the druid told Cahan, the warrior, that he must be slain with a sword made of yew wood, which is from the yew tree, and buried upside down and a stone placed at the very top of the grave so it would prevent him from getting out. Yeah. Obviously, he's upside down so he'd have to dig his way back up upwards again or he'd either just keep digging down um, but yeah, the stone was left on top, and eventually a dolmen was built. A dolmen is is a, is a kind of a ancient Irish structure that you might see across different parts of Ireland, where it's big, huge, three massive stones that are kind of legs, and then a massive, I suppose, table of stone uh, sitting atop the three legs. Uh, so that would have been at the top of the grave. But over the years, I think some of the blocks were taken away. But the main block is still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can actually go and see this actual site, correct? You can, but apparently it's on private land and it's not signposted or anything like that. So it is very hard to find. But okay. apparently you can find it. And a lot the locals would not touch the stone because obviously if they knew that they you know they took up the stone and moved the stone, Abertac would come back looking for more bowls of blood. And apparently now, this is why I read, but I don't know, obviously. see. <laughs> so the land is still considered background. And just 20 years ago, there was an attempt to make, uh, to clear the site. And uh, a chainsaw brought down to cut down the tree, the hawthorn tree that's beside the rock, broke down three times, and the chain wrapped around the stone to remove, yeah, the chain wrapped around the stone that they were trying to remove it with snapped and that cut off the hand of one of the workers. Oh, fuck. That allowed blood to seep into the ground. So since then, no more attempts have been made to move this rock.
1: Yeah, fuck all that. It kind of reminds <laughs> me of the, when you first came on, you were talking yeah. about how, you know, you have all these, these legends and lores and uh, they were, you know, the city council where you guys were living at. They were debating whether or not to remove a fairy hill, you know, to make way for, yeah. you know, a, or freeway a bush, or...
2: even a fairy bush. Yeah. Correct. It could be a fairy and... hill or a fairy bush, a few different things. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And they would, they just ignored it and they went ahead and made the freeway. And that very location where that fairy hill or fairy bush or fairy land was at, th- there was just an abnormal amount of accidents and traffic deaths that occurred on that little
2: causeway. Yeah, that's true. That's, well, It's true as so far as, you know, (laughs) the the, legend goes. The legend anyway. Uh, But yeah, apparently that's the case. It was a fairy bush. uh, I think it was in Cork. And they decided to cut it down, build a freeway. Apparently in that small section of freeway or um, motorway, as we call it, um, there will be high high likelihood or, uh, you know, higher stats of accidents in that one spot. And there are... People that go around, like storytellers and stuff, go around to people's yard and say, Look, that's a fairy bush. I'm not trying to get money out of you, right? Like that, but that bush over there, I wouldn't cut it down, just so you know. <laughs> like, yeah. Did you generally go around to people and just give advice saying, Don't cut that bush down or whatever? Just that's being a friendly you know, a thing. neighbor. It still happens, yeah. Yeah. And I guess apparently, um,
1: the talk that's also an early inspiration, apparently, uh, for Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, you, again, you have like the living dead, uh, you know, the, the blood, the drinking of blood uh, there. Uh, Bram Stoker, obviously being of Irish heritage, uh, would have been familiar with this story. Uh, another vampire yeah. story that predates uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula is also the Derek Dew. Uh, and this really quick story, and I'm probably butchering the shit out of this name. So please forgive me. Uh, Go but, first. <laughs> uh, I guess like in old Gaelic or Irish uh Derek Dew actually uh, means red bloodsucker. And the story basically goes, uh, there was this really beautiful peasant woman whose beauty was known far and wide. And she was just as beautiful on the inside as she was on the outside. And men from all over the world would come just to gaze upon her beauty or ask her father or her hand in marriage. But father, you know, being kind of like an asshole would just always be like, no, you're too poor. You're too Brown. (laughs) <laughs> you know just you know little things like that uh, but she was actually also in love with another peasant boy uh who was you know just as handsome and just as you know noble and altruistic and just everything beautiful inside and out like like uh, brad pitt in an interview with a vampire <laughs> if you will um and you know they were deeply in love but the father would not grant her hand in marriage to him because he was a peasant he was poor uh so later on The cruel father actually promises her hand to a really rich suitor who is just as cruel, if not crueler, uh, than her father as well. Uh, And so he actually marries her, pays the father the extreme dowry and whatnot. The father becomes rich, totally forgets about the daughter. uh, And this husband actually locks her into a tower, uh, is cruel to her, uh, bloodlets her. Uh, I saw a lot of uh, weird shit about how, you know, the husband would like slice her veins, uh, lick the blood and just do all sorts of like mean, fucked up shit to her. And um, he would also, too, have many other wives living on his estate. So not only was he treating like shit, but he was also cheating on her as well with many other women. And uh, so just the worst of the worst and her being of uh the lovely nature just tried to escape and was waiting for her true love to come rescue her, which never happened. So eventually she just stopped eating, which in a sense is a slow form of suicide. Now the story goes since suicide is highly frowned upon, especially you know in the Catholic region oh, of yeah. of Ireland uh this, kind of condemns your soul to hell and as she was dying not only did she die knowing this but she also died uh rejecting you know jesus christ as her personal lord and savior or just god in general and so when she died uh she actually became uh kind of undead and when she you know obviously just like the abertog was buried she came alive and when she became alive again she went first and uh, sucked all the blood out of her former spouse, left his lifeless, bloodless body on the floor, then went to her father, sucked all the blood and shit out of him as well, and left him, you know, for just a rot, you know, in his new castle that he bought with all the dowry that he got from the spouse. Uh, but then the story goes that she then started going from village to village looking for her former spouse, or no, former love that she had, that peasant boy that looked like Brad Pitt in an interview with a vampire, sucking the blood out of anybody that resembled him for not coming back and rescuing her, which reading Bram Stoker's Dracula or watching, you know, the Gary Oldman movie from like 1991 and whatnot.
2: Amazing film.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Amazing film. Uh, Kind of weird in some spots.
2: Um, Oh God. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But kind of resembles a lot of what was in that film slash book.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Now I, I didn't, not too familiar with the Jarig Dur or Jarig Do. But yeah, you, you said it right. There's two variations in the name again. Jarig basically Red, and then Dur is, I don't know. But anyway, he said it right. <laughs> but apparently it's in Waterford, which is a okay. county basically 30 kilometers, 40 kilometers from me. So I'm not too far from where that vampire was apparently. Oh, shit. <laughs> <Which is cool. laughs> you better you better stop looking like an interview with a vampire Brad Pitt right now. Huh? Okay, yeah, let's get my head down. I'll be talking to this one. <laughs> Walking around oh, with cross eyes and shit, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we have uh, you know a vast history of all this stuff, which led to Bram Stoker. Uh, but it's the inspiration of the um, the Dracula book. But also, I think, I think the story of yeah the Abbotach and all was kind of included in a collection of folklore that was collected around the time of the early eighteen hundreds, which was there or definitely around the time before the time of Bram Stoker. So he definitely would have read it and created the story of or of Dracula. I think another thing as well, we had the Great Irish Famine around 1845, uh, which was a case where I think we had something like eight, nine million people in Ireland at the time, but either half of them immigrated to America or died because of the famine. And even nowadays, you only still have like five million people in Ireland, which is never still recovered to the levels of the pre-famine, which was well over 150 years ago. But apparently, you know, obviously as a result of not eating, of starving, people would be very gaunt looking and sickly and pale and stuff. And that, I suppose, that kind of traumatic stress of seeing that and being like that. I think his mother had some issues with that as well. And all that kind of social drama and this inherited trauma would kind of inspire, it helped inspire that story as well of that horrible looking vampire. Wow. You know, gaunt face and sickly and blood red eyes and all this kind of stuff and apparently that was also a disease i think that where you would look really sick and pale with red eyes and people thought you were a vampire so and that- i know like in eastern
1: europe too like where a lot of like legend came for obviously like in transylvania and whatnot we just did an episode back in october about um elizabeth bathory where you get a lot of oh, legend yeah. too so dracula legend not- blood and that, yeah oh yeah there's a there's I mean, of course, Dracula, the story is an amalgamation of all of these stories or tales and whatnot. Uh, but I guess like in Eastern Europe, like there would be tales of people becoming undead and, or rising mm. from their grave. But it was just a fact that they didn't understand uh, post-death like rigor mortis. And, you know, they would open up the casket and see that people had moved a little bit. But mm. I mean, that just happens, you know, as, you know, the body is decomposing, you all know, to
2: the hair kept growing, or the nails kept growing, or something like that. But I think in reality, it's more the skin is pulling back because it's Correct. constricting, and the hair looks like it's still growing. So they saw that, and like, oh shit, these this guy is still alive. Correct. So I think in Europe, especially in Eastern Europe, they used to bury people. They cut cut their head off, bury mm-hmm. stones in their mouth, pierce through the heart, bury them in a cage, all these different things. It's very very common, apparently, back in you know Eastern Europe, back during the supposed Dark Ages. And even
1: too, they attached bells to like the the coffin. So like if the coffin was to move like, like you know, insert, you know, old school like monster movie footage of like the, the coffin coming off or whatever, they would install like a rope and then a bell yeah. on top of the ground. So where if they heard the bell, you know, going off, it would be a sign that, the you know, the coffin was moving and somebody was trying to, you know, rise mm-hmm.
2: from their grave. I see. Another reason for that is as well of being... T- people terrified, you know, being, uh, terrified of being buried alive. So mm-hmm. that was another reason for that was they actually had a, a rope in it. So if they came, you know, they woke up in the, in the casket, they'd ring the bell and the, the family <laughs> would stay up, uh, you know, up, 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 above ground for a few days just in case, um, oh, wow. but yeah, that's an art. Imagine that being buried in God for science, right? Yeah. <laughs> back then you could be in a coma and think, oh, that fucker's dead, bury him. Yeah. And he could be, he could be fine. Like he could come back, but. You know, they didn't have heart rate monitors and all that kind of stuff back in the day. No. So there was a, a, a real fear of being buried alive. Mm-hmm. And, and I did are stories see... of people being dug up and oh. the scratches on the inside of the coffin. And Which I guess
1: happened stuff. a lot too, like with like various yeah. diseases that they didn't have any answers for. So they're burying them and then they think they're a vampire because they, they're scratching on, you know, the coffin and whatnot. But it just, it turns out they just had a concussion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, One more thing that I saw, too,
1: about the Durigdu is that I guess the old uh, Gaelic term, there was an old Gaelic term for like an evil person was like, it sounds like Dracula or Dracul or something like that. And I always applied that to, you know, Vlad Tepes, which, you know, is Vlad the Impaler. I guess like he came from the Order of the Dragon. But I guess there is an old Gaelic word that it kind of sounds like Dracula that they say could also be inspiration for Bram Stoker's Dracula as well.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to think what that name is now. I can't. I don't know exactly what that name is, but, I, you know, I, I'm sure you're right there as well, because there's so many, so many different names, and and uh, I see you're tapping away there as well. I'm trying to find... <laughs> yeah. because I mean, I, I heard it like well, six not... times, so. though. not another guy. Uh, Dagda, that was an old king. Um, Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure what you, which what word you, you're talking about there. Dracula. Dracula. Yeah, I guess it's ah. D-R-O-C-H
1: O L A, and I guess like the tilde, which is like the, the exclamation or ah, the, the fada, or the mark, as we call it. Which means bad blood.
2: Ah, okay. So that's probably where himself, Mr. Stoker, got the the inspiration for the name. Dracula. Yeah, so there you go. The real life story of Dracula. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of which, I want—I must go watch that film again. The Keanu Reeves and uh, what's her? What's her name? Uh, A Ryder. Uh, writer, who's an Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and Gary Oldman is the is the vampire as Dracula himself, and there's Tom Waits as uh, R- R- Renfield. Tom Waits was Renfield, which is cool. I love Tom Waits. So well, that's right, <laughs> huh? <laughs> yeah, I must go back and watch that because it was so over the top cheesy. Yes. But, it was just that right level of cheesy that is, you, you know, so enjoyable. <laughs> yeah.
1: I know uh, they actually showed it during Halloween time uh, here in town and Art, he went to see it. And then well, a couple of my cousins went to go see it too. And I had only seen, I mean, I own it on DVD and I've seen it like a couple of times. Uh, but when they told me that they went, I had to watch it again. And it's its not bad at all because obviously it comes from a classic novel and um Francis Ford Coppola, I believe that's the director that um, yeah, so. did it, right? Obviously, The Godfather and Apocalypse Now. So, I mean, he's no schlub. Uh, it's it's really good, but like you said, like there is like really cheesy part. Like it's late eighties, <laughs> early nineties, like special yeah. effects. So it's still kind of like, oh wow, that was that was a weird artistic <laughs> decision that was made there. So, but it's still yeah. a, it's, it's a fabulous movie. Exactly.
2: I think Keanu Reeves is trying to do an English accent as well and. Sounds all surfer didn't really and shit. Really didn't, <laughs> huh? He sounds like a fucking surfer and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. The vampire. Oh, dude. Um, <laughs> yeah, he didn't pull it off. So well. I think some of the act, the acting was wooden as shit, but yeah. Still it kind of worked. I don't know. Then you had the, the werewolf your one in the graveyard. That was a whole, that was, oh, a whole trip yes. itself. That was weird.
1: <laughs> that was, that was weird. That was some bestiality porn if I ever saw it. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that's weird. All right, but
2: uh great film, all the same. I have to give it a watch. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, so once we start talking about bestiality porn, I think, uh, that's pretty much, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> we're reaching the end of the show on that. So with all that said, Cobber, do you got anything else you want to add? No, although I just want to say thanks very much for having me on again. And uh, no it's a shame Mark couldn't be with us, but here look, things happen and I'm glad I was able to fill in and do a bit with you.
1: Yeah. It was, it was super fun doing the research on this because I mean, we usually, you know, we'll cover like a conspiracy theory uh, or some kind of, uh, you know, weird unsolved mystery story that Art saw like at two o'clock in the morning and whatnot. And I love doing those topics, but it's also nice to, to, uh, Take take a left turn, if you will, and dive into some stuff that necessarily wouldn't be covered if Art was here. So, thank you very much for presenting this topic to me. I mean, like I said, I had a lot of fun researching this topic, and as well as recording this topic with you. Not only that, but hearing that golden voice of yours, that Uh. copper voice of yours. (laughs) You flatter me. (laughs) Thank
2: you so much. (laughs) I'm over
1: here just trying to keep 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 the erection down, if you will. So, (laughs) not a wet seat in the house, you know. Uh, The humidity went up. Mm. <laughs> that's why it's raining outside uh, but with that said guys uh, if you have any comments on this episode or you know want to reach out with your variation of an Irish folklore mythology or legend guys hit us up on all the social media at Art and Jacob do America except for Twitter we are at Art and Jacob do a one uh, but with that said Copper where can they find you at on all the
2: social medias uh, yes I suppose I'm a musician uh, a country musician, no less. Uh, so, if you do want to hear my music, I don't just talk about Slipknot and and, <laughs> and Ghosts and and folklore stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've bit of country music up there. I have an album working on album too at the moment. It's going very nicely. Nice. Uh, but yeah, you can check me out Copper Kelly Music on uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Look at my music on Spotify, iTunes, all that kind of stuff. Copper Kelly. And you'll find me, and you might like. It. I'm kind of in the vein of uh, Johnny Cash and Waylon and Jennings, a kind of '70s outlaw country. There you go. Uh, so I like the that good kind of stuff. stuff. So. The good the stuff, good not stuff. that Jesus Fuentes country. shit with the <laughs> Jason Aldean <laughs> wristband line dancing shit, right? Yeah, no, none of that shit. It's like heartfelt, good, uh, good country music, That's
1: straight from life. the motherland, from the Green Isle, if you will. Uh, But guys, if you want to support Copper, head on over there. If you want to support this podcast any other way, guys, I highly recommend heading on over to the Patreon where every single week we put down a bonus episode for your listening pleasure. So head on over there. Uh, This week, Copper and I, we talked at length about the state of pro wrestling so if uh, you want to hear us (laughs) talk about some pro wrestling head on over there Uh, if not art and i we have a collection of uh, i think it's 127 bonus episodes over there over the patreon so donate one dollar donate two dollars donate 50 cents whatever you want to donate but that gets you access to 128 bonus episodes now Uh, and like i always say nine times out of ten those episodes uh, usually turn out better than the actual episode that you're hearing for free so if you like what you're hearing today head on over there i know copper you're actually a patreon uh you yeah. get access to those
2: so i love uh, them yeah always, i always rarely rarely miss a Patreon episode and uh yeah always banging always good crack there you go uh so as
1: he can attest and then next week too i'll have another patreon on uh to uh fill in the shoes for the brown recluse uh, but head on over there uh donate whatever you can and you get access to a bonus episode. But if you want to help support us in any other way, guys, I highly recommend heading on over to artandjacobdoamerica.com. Follow the merch links, buy yourself a t-shirt, sweatshirt, a phone case, or whatever you want. We got four different designs over there. And it's not so much to help us monetarily as we probably see 15 or 20 cents out of every purchase. So it's not a money-making scheme. It's not a Ponzi scheme. It's not a pyramid scheme. It's not anything like that. Uh, but it's more or less a promotional tool. So whenever you're out there in the world, if you fly across the Atlantic and touch down and visit Copper Kelly, going on a lovely ice skating date with him, eat some Brazilian food or some shit, uh, <laughs> uh, he'll treat you nice, ladies. Uh, wear our Jacob Do America t-shirt. That'll let the people know in the great country of Ireland uh, that you listen to this podcast. And they'll listen to this podcast as well they'll say hey what's this Art and Jacob do America podcast oh shit they did an episode about Irish folklore and mythology with an actual Irishman I gotta check that shit out so head on over there that helps us greatly Uh, if you want to hear other great podcasts guys I highly recommend heading on over to podbelly.com where we are official members of the podbelly network so uh, check out our podcast there as well as other podcasts such as the great and powerful sofa king podcast which copper and Mm -hmm. I are both uh big fans of as well as Hillbilly yeah. Horror Stories and Robots for Eyes. But with that said, Copper, thank you once again for coming on and giving us these great stories. It's been it's been a crack to use some of your terminology, if you will. <laughs> it's been good crack. It's, it's a good crack. A and we're not talking crack. about butt crack.
2: <laughs> the crack okay. No no that stuff. We're good for that's good crack.
1: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so with that <laughs> So with that said everybody, I love you and <laughs> goodbye.
2: Good night.